is this? You tell me your name, I'll tell you mine. <laughs> I don't think so. What's that noise? Popcorn. You making popcorn? Uh-huh. I only eat popcorn at the movies. Well, I'm getting ready to watch a video. Really? What? Oh, just some scary movie. Welcome to our second episode of Profess Hers, a podcast about movies, music, history, pop culture, current events, and literature, all discussed through the perspective of women's issues and feminism. I'm Allegra. I am a millennial, although I have never gotten a participation trophy in my whole life, so I feel like I've been ripped off. I feel entitled to one. Uh, I'm going to want to rewatch all Wes Craven movies ever after we record today's episode. And I'm Misty. I have no idea what I'm going to be for Halloween yet. I cannot wait to take my daughter trick-or-treating, and I'm super excited to talk today about scary movies. Have you ever seen one? Yeah, actually I have. You have? I have. In the last 10 years? Yes. Okay. So <laughs> as you've probably guessed, today we're discussing women in horror. Not to be confused with horrible women. <laughs> Which we know a few of. We do. And you know, so I have recently seen a few scary movies in theaters. Do you know what a movie theater is, Missy? Yes, yes. I can Are find them on a Google map, yes. Okay. Uh, I so the reason she's saying this is because I don't go to movie theaters anymore. She hasn't gone to the movie since 2010. Yeah, that's something like that. And she can't blame her child. The, the child's <laughs> only three years yeah, old. Yeah, so so that's not it. It's just her. So do you like scary movies? I do. I mean, I feel like you should be asking me in the voice, do you like scary movies? I don't think I can make that voice. Um, but yeah, no, I do. What's your favorite scary movie? Oh, I like The Exorcism of Emily Rose. I don't even know what that is. I like religiously themed horror. Oh, you should watch Carrie. I recently rewatched the 70s version of Carrie. I didn't remember there being so many religious overtones, but there are quite a bit, quite a few of them, yeah. So do we want to get right into this? You didn't ask me what my favorite scary movie is. I Misty. thought I did. No, did I not? You What's didn't. your favorite scary movie, Allegra? I like the paranormal activity movies because they're they're very scary. Uh, the I can't remember which one it was, but there's how many one, are there now? Like ten? There's no, nah, there's like five. I don't like. So there's one where the camera's on a rotating fan, an oscillating fan, and so it's it's the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. And I scream in movie theaters even at things that aren't that scary. Uh, I'm a very jumpy person by nature. You can sneak up on me very easily. So uh, people either love to go with me to scary movies because uh, it's funny. Because you're a show on yourself. Right. Or they really hate it because... They, they want to watch the show on the screen. Right, and they're annoyed by me. So luckily, my husband and my friend who's obsessed with scary movies uh, is uh, like enjoy my freakouts. So how do you think scary movies have portrayed women? Uh, Knocking it out of the park? If, yeah, ac super accurate. Super <laughs> accurate representation of women. Just kidding. That's sarcasm. Uh, I think my, my biggest takeaway is uh, there's a lot of problems, obviously, with the way women are depicted in scary movies. But I think my biggest problem is that women are not complex in uh, scary movies, they're very one note. And so even the strong characters, even the strong female characters, like Jamie Lee Curtis, mm -hmm. still one note, right? So she's not a complex, multi-dimensional, real human being. Um, and even in more recent movies like Cabin in the Woods. Have, you know, I, I've seen that one right. too. Uh, there's, 
there's a woman who's a whore. Can I say that one? And a woman who's a virgin. And so they're playing on the tropes, but they're still they're still not multidimensional complex characters. We're going to talk later about archetypes. Yeah. From the history teacher, not even from the English <laughs> teacher. Archetypes. Archetypes. Yeah. But so, so before we do historically. that, well, no, before we do that, I want to get into stats because okay. I think stats are really important. Do we have a math professor going to jump in here? I wish we did because then I know it'd be right. All right. So from the research I was able to do on this, which I'll admit is limited, this is not as big of a field of research as I thought it would be. Yeah, there are people who are who have a scholarly interest in it, but that's emerging. So just like a scholarly interest in comic books, horror movies, pop culture, they exist, but they're emerging. And a lot of them aren't peer reviewed. Right, because so, they don't have peers. So right. It's just the two dorks that like it. Yeah, that live in their mom's basement. So what I found was that 32% of all female characters in horror films die which is up from males at 23%. So, I mean, both sexes have a lot of people dying, but women, it's higher. I feel like 80% of people in a horror movie should die. At least 80? Yeah. I mean, otherwise it's not scary. What are we scared of? Well, okay, so let's take that one step further. If we look at race in horror movies, Mm. this gets real bad. Yeah. 27% of all white characters are killed by the end. Do you want to guess the number of minority characters that are killed? More than 27, I'm guessing. 70. Oh, my God. That's more than twice. Yeah. It's three times, basically, right? This is where we need the math professor. So that's a huge disparity. (laughs) 70 is not 27 times three. That I know. I think it's close. It might be close. We don't do math. At all. Um, And then there's another way that we can look at horror films and kind of measure them. That's the Bechdel test. Can you explain that? I can. So if you have two named named female characters in a film who have a conversation with each other that isn't about men, then the movie, just one conversation. I'm not talking about the whole movie. I'm talking about two named female characters who get the opportunity to talk about something other than men that passes the Bechdel test, which is named after uh, a writer. Alison Bechtel. Thank you, Austin. Uh, she's got a great book called Fun Home, which is a graphic novel. But anyway, so how many movies pass? About half, which About is half. more than I thought it would be. Yeah. Well, I mean... But a lot of the dialogue in horror movies is like, we have to get away from the killer. So that doesn't... But if the killer's a man, then... I'm just kidding. So I think the average for movies is less than half. Yeah, so it's, it's doing okay. Okay. And then, actually, this is kind of, I don't know if it's positive or not, because women are getting killed a lot more, but women in general have more screen time in men in horror movies. So you're seeing more female representation. You're they're also d- seeing more female skin. Yeah, they're yeah. just dying. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, stripping for some apparent reason. Yes. Naked or nearly naked most of the time. So that's the stats for recent horror films. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if we jump into the history, which I know everyone's excited to do, right? Yay. No, no one, no one is that excited about history. Uh, we can see how this has evolved over time. And what's really interesting to me is that the evolution of women in horror movies very closely tracks with the development of the women's movement. Interesting. So in the early, early, early horror films, do you know when we first start seeing horror films? 40s. 1890. Okay, I was wrong. Yeah, I'm sure they were not that scary, but... <laughs> Like They're out there. Yeah. So early films obviously have women as silent characters because everyone was silent. Mm-hmm. But the women have little to do with the plot. They're very vulnerable. 
uh, naive, powerless, or the hypersexual damsel mm-hmm. in distress. So, yeah, heaving bosom, my hands bound by rope type of situation. Yes, yeah. tied to the train tracks. Okay, yeah. That is going to be kind of the archetype of a female character mm-hmm. we have. Mm-hmm. But it shifts as the women's movement takes on more prominence in society. Mm -hmm. So as women start marching and getting jobs and entering the workplace, that character becomes a little bit more developed and becomes more active in her own salvation Mm -hmm. or sometimes in her own death and really evolves into being more of a full human being. Imagine. And women are people. Main thesis. Yeah. So in the 70s, that's when we start seeing final girls, right? Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you want to define that? Uh, we're going to do it later. But yeah, so it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a woman who survives to the end of the movie. Uh, as opposed to a damsel in distress. She is usually a person who's uh, fighting the killer and winning. Uh, so I'm interested to hear your take here. Because you have Halloween, Friday the 13th, and Nightmare on Elm Street as being more evolved. And I think of them as being very... I, I'm comparing them, though, to what was coming before them. Okay. okay. So, I mean, compared to the woman. Carrie. In, yeah. Yeah. Or even the woman in the 1920s. Like, there's a really famous Dracula in the 1920s where the woman is a prop. Mm-hmm. They just kind of put her on stage and she acts scared and then mm-hmm. she runs away. Mm-hmm. That is her entire purpose in the movie. At least in Halloween, which it is problematic in some areas. But we have a female character who is shown as being smart, mm-hmm. who is shown as being tough. And eventually Ish. survives. Yes. She's both... So it's interesting, right? Because she's both a scream queen. Jamie Lee Curtis is the original scream queen, as far as I'm concerned, from Halloween. She's both that and a final girl. And as you know, maybe you don't know, <laughs> there's a new Halloween movie oh, I didn't coming know that. out this year with her. And she seems to be... It seems to be following the exact evolutionary path you're talking about. Because she seems tough as nails uh and she honestly seems a little scarier than the killer in the previews so i think it's gonna be almost like flipping it on its head is my hope i obviously haven't seen it yet but uh so she did a lot of screaming and a lot of flailing and a lot of ah, but she also did a lot of fighting mm-hmm. true so these tropes that we've said in, that are existing in horror movies they die hard it is going to take a long time to move away from them. Are you talking about the movie Die Hard? Because I love <laughs> the movie Die Hard. But that's a Christmas movie. It's not a horror movie. That's true. It is a Christmas movie. So this is kind of where we start from in the modern era, right? Mm-hmm. Is girls who are good girls mm-hmm. and survive to the end. Mm-hmm. Or girls who have done something immoral mm-hmm. and are being punished for those immoralities. And that's their consequence, right? So they die. That's correct. I don't know why I'm nodding because this is a podcast. <laughs> so... So I think from here, the best thing we can do is jump into those archetypes. And I'm going to hand this off to the English teacher. Okay, so the Scream Queen is the first archetype I want to talk about in terms of a female in horror movies. And a Scream Queen is a damsel in distress. She does exactly what the name implies. She is screaming a lot. So she is the person uh, who's being chased by a killer. uh, And I can think of a few examples uh, so Jessica Biel in the remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre does a lot of running and screaming um, and being very afraid. A lot of times scream queens use sex appeal throughout the movie. They're mm-hmm. dis- they're, they represent that kind of trope. 
Um, so Janet Lee <clears throat> in Psycho is, of course, a scream queen. Her scream is legend. Uh, and Drew Barrymore's character in Scream is the scream queen. And then, of course, Nev Campbell's is a final girl. A final girl is the second kind of archetype. So, that, again, that's someone who fights and survives. She's the final survivor. Um, sometimes the lone survivor, sometimes not. Uh, luckily, it's no longer related to whether she's a virgin. So but it, it used to be. It used to be that you couldn't survive a scary movie uh, if you're a person of color or a woman who's no longer a virgin. And Halloween's so, probably the perfect example of that, right? Yes. Um, and so the best thing about new final girls is they don't just survive they're not just one step up from screen queens but they save other people sometimes they even save men whoa i know so uh jamie lee curtis was both and that's kind of an evolution so we also have um very few female killers in horror movies and jason's mom right that's the one i can think of off the top of my head yeah and i only know about her because of the movie scream <laughs> Awesome. I mean, if you watch if you watch Scream, which we're going to talk about, we're going to do a deep dive into that movie specifically. If you watch it, it will list and name for you a whole lot of other horror movies. And if you are interested in knowing all of the tropes of horror movies, just watch the movie Scream because it outlines them specifically in great detail. It tells you the rules for scary movies. Um so the first scene of Scream, have you seen it, Missy? Yes, I have, okay. but it's been very, 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 very long. So the long. first scene of Scream has Drew Barrymore. Yes, and so they're going to do the exact same thing that, that Alfred Hitch Hitchcock did in Psycho. She's billed as the main star of the film. She dies in the first act. And so that in and of itself is shocking because if you go to a movie, you expect the main star to be the one who survives to the right. end. Mm -hmm. So it's a great shock value and very horrifying if Drew Barrymore's killed in the first, I don't know, 10 minutes of the movie. <clears throat> but she's a screen queen. So somebody calls her on the phone and starts talking to her. Do you like scary movies? What are you doing? Oh, you're making popcorn? Um, and she, what would you do? if a strange person called you on the phone and started asking you these questions, Missy. So I'm a millennial, and I don't pick up phone calls that I don't know the <laughs> number to, so it would go to my voicemail. That's true. That, that would be hard to make the Scream movie now. And then I don't listen to my voicemails, no so I would never know. <laughs> That's Problem true. solved. Let's say you did answer the phone. So let's say it's 1990. 1996. 1996. Uh, let's say you answer the phone. Mm-hmm. And a person is talking, a man is talking to you and asking you these questions. What do you say? I would just hang up. You would hang up. So Drew Barrymore's flirting with him, right? So she's talking to him about her favorite scary movie and why she likes Jason, or not Jason, Freddy Krueger. Um, and they have this flirtatious conversation. And then, you know, he says, oh, what's your name? She's like, oh, why do you want to know my name? And then he very creepily says, so I know who I'm looking at, right? And so then the horror part ensues and she dies so but she's blonde she's ditzy she flirts with him so she's using her sexuality um she falls for all of his traps so she's kind of falling into that trope of because of her overt sexuality she has earned what has happened to her right and so Wes Craven who made Scream helped create all of these tropes and archetypes and he's playing on them he's yes. playing into them intentionally 
But uh, yeah, and she I think she has a football player boyfriend too. Yes. So it's very purposefully but very stereotypical because at this point i could still be thinking like oh i'm just gonna see the same scary movie i've seen a thousand times Mm -hmm. like we're following exactly what Mm -hmm. the script should be Mm -hmm. so um nev campbell is the kind of opposite of her she's a final girl physically and also Mm -hmm. personality wise so she is not the lead in the movie she is i mean she is but she's not billed as the lead in the movie and she outsmarts the killer every time she she runs from him but is also she chases him uh and she gets stronger as the movie goes on and in fact she gets stronger as the series goes on throughout each movie so she is she's learning yes and she's not the only survivor as you know courtney cox survives as Mm -hmm. well um, but she, but her character, Sydney Prescott, is a strong, evolved, more complex character. So she has a whole family backstory. She has likes and interests. She has friends. She has a boyfriend. She wants to go to college. So she has a, a more complex life than most female characters in horror movies, which is great. And she's a strong person. She's strong physically, and she's strong emotionally, and you see that as the movies go on, and she's more and more tormented and obviously gets PTSD from what's happening and uses her experiences to help other people. So, I hope I'm not spoiling this, but it's been 20 years, so I feel like I'm not. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't seen it, I guess this is a little late, but spoiler it's alert. spoiler alert. So why is the killer doing this in Scream? What is he motivated by? So he is motivated by... Sydney's mother's sexual promiscuity. So it's still a question of a woman's virtue. Virtue. Thank you. Uh, and so she's fighting kind of demons created, not by her mother, but in response to things that her mother did. And as the series goes on, it continues to be about her mom. Um, and the killers change obviously because she kills the killers but um but it's all about her mom you know having sexual relationships with other people and that's the backstory that gets unveiled so the sins of the father are passed down to the offspring essentially yes mother yes but yeah so would you call this a feminist horror movie i do yes okay i do um because all of the things that are not considered feminist are done on purpose so there are satirical tongue plays on the trope so a girl dies for instance i think in a garage door and she's hanging and her bosom is kind of almost exposed and she's very blonde eh, party girl um and there are lots of scenes you know of course drew barrymore but all of those things are done intentionally to kind of satirize the depiction of women in horror movies as opposed to playing into them. So they're pointing out, like, look how ridiculous this is. Yes, yes. And when you take it to its utmost point, Absolutely. it's apparent that this is insane. Which is funny because, the, so the movie is a horror movie in its own right. It's terrifying to watch for the first time. It's also kind of a dark comedy. There are comedic elements. They don't uh, lose horror for the sake of a joke, but they do have jokes. But so, with, but it's also a satire. It's also a commentary on horror movies and horror movie tropes. That's why they explicitly tell you what the rules of scary movies are. 
What's funny is that then someone creates a satire version of that movie, right? The movie Scary Movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's <laughs> so you I think, forgot about that. So you'd think that in Scream they've taken this as far as it will go and they've exaggerated it as far as they possibly can. But to they make were wrong. A satirical point. But yeah, you can satirize satire. Apparently that's I don't know, is that meta? We're very postmodern now. Absolutely. That's pretty meta. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So what do you think horror movies can do or should do in the future to make female representation more accurate? So my answer is to have more complex female characters, more realistic, multidimensional female characters who have interests, aspirations, careers, um, if they have relationships, great. If they don't, fine. Um, but to represent women more realistically and to have women be strong. Not, not all women are physically strong, but all women have a kind of strength. And so I think a representation of the different kinds of strength a woman might possess. So somebody could outsmart a killer. Somebody could physically dominate a situation. Um, and I also just think we have to stop using women's bodies to exacerbate this kind of victimization culture where the women are the women's bodies are objects and as you said earlier props mm -hmm. right to be chased after we got to save the woman or we got to whatever so i think adding layers of complexity to to more accurately accurately reflect the life of women and i think the way to do that to yep. make it more complex this is my answer <laughs> is to hire female writers and female directors. Let's just Wh get new can, voices. Can women do those things? I believe they can. I think it's uh, been shown. We, yes. We're now allowing women to write and direct films. Okay. That's called sarcasm. <laughs> and so I think a great example of this is bringing a new voice in the room is Get Out. Mm -hmm. So That wasn't written by a woman. It wasn't, but it was written by somebody with a new voice, right? Yeah, absolutely. And somebody who was kind of new to horror, at least to... Totally new. Yeah. But he was a fan of horror. Do um, you know his name? I know you can't him remember his as name. either Key or Peel. I forget which one. He's Jordan Peel. Thank you. You're welcome. I know his wife's name is Chelsea. I, I know that. I, I didn't know that. No, but yeah. no. She's that's, on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. That's... Oh, Chelsea Peretti is married yes. to Jordan? Yes. I didn't know that. Okay. Somebody double-check that fact, but I believe it to be true. Okay. So, but yeah. So, if we... And it's not a mirror and it's not a competition. It's not the same thing. But what you're saying is a person of color wrote and directed and created a horror movie that more accurately relates to the and experience for people of color. And broke new ground and really took a fresh take on it. Oh, yeah. It and was it's very the, different. Absolutely. Yeah. It was not the movie when I watched it that I was expecting yeah. to see. Yeah. And I think when you bring in new people to the writing room, you get new ideas and you get new voices. And I think we can do that for women as well. He does a he also does a great job in Get Out of of having comedy in a horror movie. Yes. And not losing horror for the sake of a joke and not losing a joke for the sake of horror. It's great. They do they do in in Scream and in Get Out, sometimes they will set you up for a laugh and then something scary will happen. And sometimes you're recovering from laughing and something scary will happen and that both times because of your emotional preparedness for what's happening, it's scarier than if somebody just jumps out. I mean, I'm still going to scream if somebody just jumps out. But 
Uh, yeah, because it's not following yeah. a script that you know in your brain. Mm-hmm. This is the ABCs of horror mm-hmm. movies, right? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that. So, yeah, I think getting more females into the room, you're going to have a different representation of what females look like on mm-hmm. screen. Absolutely. So I want to talk to you about a movie I saw last night. Awesome. It's called Assassination Nation. That sounds amazing. And it is part horror movie. And it's focused on four female teenage characters uh, who live in a town called Salem. I'm not going to give away the movie, but I am going to tell you. Salem like with witches? It, but it, it's not that. Okay. But yes, same spelling. Uh, I'm not going to give away any spoilers because this is not a 20-year-old movie. But I do want to say this. There are people of color in this film represented in a complex way. Um, and one of the four girls is a trans character played by a trans actress. That's interesting. It is interesting. And so part of the her persecution in the film, they're all they all face things, but her, part of her persecution is of course teenagers who are trying to shame and deride her for being a trans female. So it's an interesting diverse movie, but it's also going to give you a lot of things you don't expect. It's going to give you a lot of social commentary along with some comedy, but mostly action horror so it's a good step in the direction i think we're talking about and it just came out you know this week so i will see it as soon as it's not in theaters anymore <laughs> so give me about eight months i'll get back to you Jesus. <laughs> going to the movies is fun it's very expensive and i just don't see not on tuesdays I have things to do. On Tuesdays, the tickets at the movie theater are only on $5. Because it's a Tuesday. Well, I, that's, I went yesterday. Yesterday was a Tuesday. I paid $11 for my husband and me to go to the movies. I have a life and I have things to do. I can't, do? I can't be doing that on Tuesday. Oh, my God. So, like, what's next in your lady life? Well, what's next in my lady life is I want to watch all of the Scream movies, including Scream 4, which people like to act doesn't exist. But it does, and it's good, and I like it. I didn't know all. they got to a 4. 4 came... So, th- they came out 1, 2, 3. Right. In pretty rapid succession. 4 came later. 4 is in... I want to say maybe like 2005. Wow. So, 4 came later, but it's... It had its own because you know that's later. Screen four is two thousand eleven. Two thousand eleven. Okay, about the time I stopped watching movies and theaters. <laughs> but so, you know, that's how much later than nineteen ninety six. A lot. Twenty years? Um, ten? Fifteen? I don't know. We don't do math here at the professor's podcast, but not because we're girls, but because we teach history and English, and you can do both, but we don't. So. Uh, it had its own social commentary because different things were happening in 2011 than were happening in 1996. So it had its own commentary and satire, and it's making a little bit of a different point in Scream 4. It's obviously going to, it's reusing some of its own things, so it's not the freshest take, but it is a good movie. And if you like scary movies, I, I would suggest it. So that's what I'm, that's what's next in my Lady Life Misty is I'm going to watch all four Scream movies. Uh, and probably subject my husband to them as well. Awesome. What's next in your lady life? Actually, I think I'm going to go rewatch for the 6,000th time The Exorcism of Emily Rose. I really like that movie. I have never seen it. It's this really movie. good. 
I don't even know when it came out, but it's really good. Okay. It's super creepy. Did it come out before 2011? Oh, yeah, for sure. I watched it in a theater. Oh, wow. That's yeah. probably why you liked it so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a girl who gets possessed, and then there's an exorcism. Uh, there's an exorcism because it's in the title. Right. And she's in a farmhouse, and there's a lot of, like, um, body contortions. They found somebody who was a contortionist that could do these things. She would, like, crawl as a contortionist. It was very mm, creepy. No, I'm not doing that. That's too creepy. It's really good, I'm though. I'm out. I'm out of that. Yeah. (laughs) So thank you for listening to this episode of Profess Hers, our podcast about seeing movies, culture, and history through our lady eyes. I'm Misty and very excited for Halloween. And I'm Allegra. Uh, I like to think of myself as a final girl who can scream. We'd love to hear from you what you thought about today's episode, what you'd like us to discuss in the future, or how great you think we are. To connect with us, you can follow us on Twitter at ProfessHers. That's at P-R-O-F-E-S-S-H-E-R-S. We hope you recommend our podcast to a friend and that you check out other podcasts by the TCC Connect faculty. Our podcast is written by Misty and myself and engineered and produced by Austin Haynes and Scott January. And remember, girls just want to have fundamental human rights.